After a thrilling group stage and a roller coaster round of 16, we are in to the business end of the tournament with only eight teams remaining. There's plenty of star power, great matchups, and top players who will all have their eyes set on hosting the trophy come December 18th. Could it be Messi manifesting destiny? Could it be Neymar and Brazil conquering last year's finalists? Can England bring it home? Or will France be the first back-to-back champion in over four decades? But today, we're going to be looking at Portugal and their task ahead against a vibrant Moroccan team. We're joined in the studio today by Danny Pinto, the host of the Selesau podcast, which has been exhaustively covering every inch of Portugal's campaign so far. Danny, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, Red. How are you? I'm great. Great. Um, uh, so, Danny, if uh, we just get started from here, that that victory was something that caught me off guard as a seasoned, um, as a seasoned uh, follower of the Portugal national team. And, you know, remembering about what you had spoken to us in the lead up to the tournament, how much did this uh, result against Switzerland surprise you? You know, it was like the whole day was full of surprises and unexpected twists and turns. Um, yeah, I think the word unexpected was was the, the word of the day for this result. Not so much, obviously, with Portugal winning, because uh, I thought that, uh, you know, we, we've had we've had a a even uh, history with, with Switzerland in the, in the, in recent history. I think in the last uh, five years or so, we've, we've played them five times, three wins, two losses. So it was an even matchup, but I thought on paper, if, if you're going to pick a team uh, to win, uh, I thought my money would, would be uh, smartly on Portugal. And then, and that ended up being uh, true, but the manner in which it happened yesterday uh, you know, we get the news that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is not starting. Um, we see that it's uh, Gonzalo Hamush getting the uh, getting the start uh, in his place. Um, uh, a substitution that, or a lineup change, I should say that um, really caught my eye was was Rafael Garrido in for João Cancelo. Cancelo not having a particularly great tournament thus far, but I thought... Uh, That's played... not sugar-coated. He, he's, he's, he's been <laughs> subpar. <laughs> he's been <laughs> subpar. Of his talents. He's been subpar, but I thought uh, showed uh, some flashes of getting back to his old self playing left back in uh, the South Korea match. So I thought him and Dalo would be the left back, right back uh, 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 combination there. So the sitting of Ronaldo, the sitting of, sitting of Cancelo... Um, starting Gonzalo Hamush though was the surprise in terms of who was going to get the start in uh, in Ronaldo's spot. You have Andres Silva, who you know has some history with the with the national team. Um, you could have you could have had Ricardo uh, Horta in in a different kind of role, and maybe had uh, João Felix as your uh, as your lone striker. But or even have Bruno Fernandes as a false nine, as Man United have unsuccessfully proven many times. <laughs> Well, I think that more than anything, that's probably why he didn't. But uh, yeah, it was the the it was as unexpected of a lead up and uh, match that I have I have ever seen or or felt. And Rit, to be honest, it was as it was as pleasant of an uh, of an experience of watching a Portuguese national team match in God knows how long. It was. I, I you know I, I have a chat with with my with my friends uh, and 
you know, I'll be I'll be recording another episode um, of my of my podcast uh, tomorrow. But um, on terms of the international stage in my lifetime, I'm not sure that the Portuguese national team has ever looked better uh, in all in all phases in all phases of uh, my of mind. My mind's costed back to the uh, the I believe it was the home Euros in 2004. Um, and that and that uh, crop, which um, oddly enough is where Ronaldo made his start, and here we are, nearly twenty years later, and he's still dominating the headlines. Um, you know, you had players like Figo, you had players like Deco, you had all these stars and starlets coming up, and since then, it's always seemed like it's been, you know, a decent cast um, of players with Ronaldo. Actually, not even that decent, because I think you had alluded to on Twitter that. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Messi not getting the support. Messi's Messi's reached two finals, three finals with this Argentina side. And in Ronaldo's prime, he had to deal with Raul Morales, Danny, Fabio Coentrout, left wing, and Pepe at defensive midfield. You know, it's 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 he's come a long way, and here we are, uh, him at the twilight of his career, and you see, you know, not only is the team playing differently without him, they're sort of playing more free football it's like it's it's like some proverbial shackles have been removed and his replacement Gonzalo Ramos you know if he if he plays in 90 minutes and gets in a tap in goal you know maybe Ronaldo doesn't feel that aggrieved as saying you know even I could have done that but he comes in near posts Jan Sommer with uh, with what I can only describe as like a six by six inch um, outlet for that first goal and then he scores another and then he scores another and just to twist the knife in it, his 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 compatriot, his longtime compatriot Pepe, towers over and heads in the ball. And as the best stat of the World Cup that I found so far, uh, goals at the knockout stages: Cristiano Ronaldo zero, Lionel Messi one, Pepe two. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and Gonzalo Hamus three. <laughs> I mean, there we go. And, there we go. Yeah, and also, and he assisted. Uh, he got an assist as well. I mean, it it was it was a performance that again I just go back to the word unexpected. And it was. I mean, it, it's it all started with that first goal, right? I mean, it just the the angle, the just honestly the the gall to even attempt something like that. And not only was it the right decision, but. You know, Summer had no chance whatsoever. He even looked back and like that didn't really go in, did it? And not only did it did it go in, but it exploded into the back of the net. It was. It, and it this was, is not some chum. This is this is Jan Sommer. I mean, he he's he's one of the one of the best tournament keepers at this World Cup. He's one of the most consistent European keepers we've had. Like this, getting past him on the near post that quickly, it's it takes some beating. It does, and and, and that, that's a credit to to the technique and uh, just the absolute um, ferocity that that uh, that uh, Gonzalo Hamuj unleashed that uh, that howitzer because it was unstoppable from the absolute uh, absolute go. So uh, yeah, it was like I said, it was as enjoyable a match uh, as a Celestial fan and supporter and someone who talks about the team. Uh, that I can ever remember, and again, I don't know if they've ever had a in my again my lifetime. I don't know if they've ever had a a as dominating performance, given the stage, given what surrounded them, as well with the Ronaldo controversy. Not even controversy, but just the Ronaldo news. Um, it's a, it's as good of a uh, it's as good of a uh, a performance as I've ever seen. 
Yeah, and it sort of comes back to, I believe, the bravery that Fernando Santos has shown. And it's it's something you and I, you know, really wondered about when we talked uh, pre-World Cup about it. We were worried, as people should be. You know, there have been some lackluster performances, especially in the last European Championships. Yes, he has taken Portugal to both a European and a UEFA Nations League title. Yes, Never he forget has the Nations League title. Never forget Never that forget. Nation. <laughs> and not not to forget, he's given ample opportunity to a number of players, especially in that number nine position. You know, um, sure. the, the whole host of uh, people who could have supported Ronaldo could have been that sort of like Benzema figure for him. And they all just failed one by one till Ronaldo had to do it himself. It's it's not a position, you know, if he was if he was given the choice. I don't think that's a position he would have taken. He would have, you know, loved to have been that um, supporting uh, that secondary striker who would come in while the um, primary striker uh, striker would um, take the time, take the effort to occupy the defenders. But, you know, the absence of all of that, it had to be him. It had to be him. And it, you could, you know, you could go back um, in time and you could say, oh, what if uh, they had uh, Gonzalo Hamosh uh, back then? You think it's going to be different. We can't tell. We can't tell yeah. what Gonzalo Ramos' rest of his career is going to be like. We know that this is a moment that he's never going to forget. His family's never going to forget. And I don't think Portugal's going to forget. It's going to be, even though they haven't won, this this feels like the, the, that Adair goal. This feels like that Adair goal. Even though that's the one that won the championship, this is a World Cup hat-trick. It's a first hat-trick at this tournament, hard to believe. Um, and it's... And it's come, it's come at such a crucial time because there were doubts about the Portuguese even heading into this game. Den- um, Switzerland had seemed to take that uh, dark horse crown from Denmark. They are a plucky team. You know, they did uh, knock out France in the Euros. They were, they were a unit, a solid metronomic unit. And, and they just fell apart to the point that, you know, they were, I think they were 3-0 up uh, Portugal by the uh, start of the, uh, by the end of the first half. And that's a demoralizing, that's a demoralizing um, scoreline by any regards. And this sort of comes to the point where I'm going to ask you about uh, the matchup versus Morocco. That second half gave me a very interesting insight to the sheer level of depth that is there within this Portuguese team. Possibly, you could say that they are a little bit light at centre back, but I think, I think, I think Pepe, I think this is Pepe's last roar. He's going to give everything to these next, this next game if they make it, and further on if they do make it from there. Um, you know, but barring that, uh, you look at the fullback quality. Maybe, maybe not depth so much in numbers with um, you know the unfortunate departure departure of uh, uh, Nuno Mendes at uh, left back. But you look at the midfield. Everybody wants to step up. Otavia wants to set, step up. Neves is still doing his job as unspectacular as that might be. Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes running tire, tirelessly. João Felix having the you know spell of spell of football of his life. He was amazing uh, yesterday. I mean, I, and not to interrupt you, Rip, but I mean, I you know Gonzalo Humbush is going to get the going to get the headlines in terms of you know he got the hat trick. It's his debut, but uh, you know if if I if I I, I would not be doing uh, my job as a supporter nor someone who, who talks about uh, this team uh, via his own podcast if I didn't come out and say that João Felix, uh, he was a boss on the field yesterday. Uh, always, always make it seemed like he always made the right decision with the ball. Um, always at the right place at the right time. Would come back and 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 track back. Um, was at and the everything center off of the ball as well. Yeah. 
everything off the ball as well that's 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 those are the kind those are the kind of players who will win you tournaments in that in that gray space where people don't think possession is going to shift to it shifts because one person makes that change and i saw it constantly even when leao came in um you know jafelish always gets those spots and always gets into that position of trouble whereas you know portugal you could say were lacking a bit from the wide areas before trying to play a little too centrally possibly that made it a little bit predictable possibly that got the ball a little too late uh, to cristiano but here it was center it was left it was right it was from deep uh, bruno fernandes had i think a lovely through ball through to um through to goncalo ramos which um didn't unfortunately end up in the back of the net but you know it it comes to this fact that they have such depth and that's kind of where i view maybe morocco's run ending you know fantastic iron hearted performance against spain but it's a performance that came at a cost i mean you see roman size completely broken and coming back onto the pitch your tireless performances from amrabat um uh and you know even the likes of ashraf hakimi he can't run up and down the wing forever where i see this sort of quarter final molding into is it's a, it's going to be a much tighter affair i think they will learn from switzerland's mistakes but the sheer depth that portugal have just it makes it feel a little bit inevitable if i'm if i'm going to jinx it i'll take i'll 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 bear the brunt of that but it's 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 this it's this feeling of depth and it's this feeling that everybody wants this and it's not a it's not a feeling i've had from portugal um in the past where everyone's just a soldier you know <clears throat> years past you may have relied on jose font pepe jao moutinho uh, ronaldo and all these other stalwarts who've been there for who's who've seen the sunrise and sunset even ricardo quaresma uh, and nani you know all these people who had been with portugal for so long who could provide that experience factor that takes you from 80 miles per hour to 100 and then spinal tap on wherever from there but this time it's different this time the core of this team is somewhere between 21 to 28 and they're really performing they really want this win so where it comes to you dani is that where do you see where do you see uh the possible spaces in this portuguese side that morocco could take advantage of because i'm struggling to find those well you know what it's interesting um if you look back at the world cup 4 years ago um you know portugal and morocco played each other and the one player that was uh completely exposed uh was rafael gahaidu they went at his uh, at his uh, side of the uh, uh of the field relentlessly now portugal came out with the victory but it was it was a struggle but i that's that's the that's the lone area i think where uh where morocco could expose um i will say this in and and i had again i i had talked about this uh with uh you know on twitter and and, uh, and with some friends of mine um it's not the fact that uh i don't think morocco could beat portugal because they've proven that they can beat anybody to be very honest but i always thought that a matchup against spain for portugal just in the manner in which portugal had defended in the first few games you could see that the the concentration and the absolute commitment to defending that morocco showed against against spain was something that i don't think 
Portugal could have duplicated if given the opportunity in the quarterfinals. Because there's so much offensive depth and attacking firepower on the Portuguese team, you know, you could see one or two guys maybe take off sooner than than uh, than maybe you know players like uh, players on Morocco did against uh, against Spain and not fully commit to the defensive uh, assignment. We knew that Spain was going to have 65, 70% of the uh, of the possession against Morocco. But and they probably I probably even had more. Yeah, but I uh, the but the commitment to defend and it's not pretty. But, you know, 2016 for Portugal wasn't pretty and I'm and I'm never going to, you know, uh, give that trophy back if I'm a fan. But <laughs> there are some similarities I think in the way Morocco has gone through this uh, tournament thus far to 2016 Portugal in the Euros because it has been defend at all costs and, you know, counterpunching when you absolutely can, not forcing the issue, not not opening yourself up to a defensive mistake. And last time I checked, Britt, you, you cannot, for the, unless it's in penalties, which I guess they almost did, uh, given the opportunity, but you can't lose many games if you don't give up any goals. And That's true. Defense Morocco, is going to championships. And if, if Morocco can can somehow put that effort again uh, towards uh, their matchup against uh, Portugal on uh, on Saturday, Portugal will have a tough time breaking that down. Uh, my my only, I mean, I guess that's my concern in terms, like, to get to your original question. Uh, I would I would be shut. No, you know, at this point, nothing shocks me with this national team, but <laughs> Portugal. But I would be a little surprised if uh, if João Cancelo was not back in at left hmm. at left back, given the way that uh, Rafael Gahaidu was uh, was attacked four years ago by this uh, Moroccan team. Um, but yeah, I, I again, I just uh, I, I will I will I will hold my breath uh, on on the prediction. Uh, I, I do I hope yeah I and do I expect yeah I guess in a way. But am I going out as like guaranteeing a victory by Portugal? Absolutely not because Morocco is I think is battle tested and yeah they have they some injuries. They group and they beat Spain. Yeah and I mean they they're battle tested but they do have some injuries in the back. We'll see if those uh, come all the way uh, to. Uh, to Saturday, if they get any of those guys uh, back on the field, but um, yeah, it, it will be it will be interesting to see what happens on on Saturday. But I'm I'm very confident that Portugal will uh, will get the result. Yeah, and sort of coming down to you know the nitty gritty that uh, a lot of um, viewers of this World Cup and especially people who tune in uh, to soccer every every once in four years or so. Um, there is an issue of yellow cards and there is an issue of suspensions. The way it works in the World Cup is if you get two yellow cards, regardless of how they're spaced, one game, two games, three games, four games, if you get another yellow card within that period, you miss the next game. And FIFA and their infinite wisdom, as everything has been with this World Cup planning, have decided that the yellow card suspensions cap off after the round of 16, which means that if the likes of Bruno Fernandes, I believe it's also um, Ruben Diaz. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Bruno Fernandes, Ruben Diaz, uh, João Félix, 
Kuban Neves and the injured Danilo. Those are the five on yellows right now for Portugal. So we can we can we can discount uh, Danilo from that factor, and it's 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 amazing that Pepe is kept clean this entire time. Actually, it shouldn't be that surprising, but that basically means if one of these players does get a yellow card, they will miss the next round, and if. If I, I I will I will say this as a big if if Portugal do win, they face one of France or England who are in are in sh- sparkling champagne form. They won't want any one of these gone. Ruben Dias doesn't have a replacement in the team. Yes, his tournament has been a bit, I would say, underwhelming from his expectations. A bit like his city uh, uh, counterpart Joao Cancelo. But, uh, you know, with Pepe, he's looked a bit more assured. But if he's gone, that is a troubling factor. Jao Felix and Bruno Fernandes have, have, have been the heartbeat of this team. Bruno Fernandes, I could possibly even say if he continues on the form he has, he has a chance of getting the best player of this tournament. I, I, I don't even think that's an unreasonable take here. But they will have to be careful. Sanch will have to be cognizant that they cannot lose their cool. At this point, you know, Bruno Fernandes has that habit of, you know, getting into the referee's ear or making that errant tackle late into the game that gets him into trouble. He needs to avoid a booking at all costs. Jao Felix, maybe actually after after the last performance, it's pretty, he, he pretty much guarantees his starting position, though Rafael Leao can, you know, be a very good impact. Whether he can sustain that form as a starter, it's a little bit up for debate, but these players absolutely cannot get yellow card. And if they don't, and that'll be great, it'll reset. That means if they get another yellow in the quarterfinals, they will not be in jeopardy to miss the semifinals should they make it. Uh, so to just get that bit out of the way, Danny, um, coming to the other fixtures, you look at Brazil and Croatia, you know, if all goes well, you might face one of them. Um, what excites you about this tie? I know it's 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 it 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 feels a bit lopsided given the manner in which Croatia have made their um, uh, journey to this point. But do you see Brazil losing in any way? No, and no. that's my and that's my analysis on that match. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. That, I think honestly, and it's no disrespect to Croatia, they they played in the final four years ago, uh, but. Um, I think Brazil is in uh, is just in, in too too much too much good form uh, for for Croatia for the Netherlands or Argentina to be honest on that on that side of the bracket uh, I they are they are my pick to click I guess and I'm I'm really going out on a on a limb here picking Brazil but um, I don't think I don't think anybody touches Brazil on the on that side of uh, on that side of the bracket and that and Argentina included. You heard it. You heard it live on this podcast. Danny's switching one cellist off for the other. <laughs> just, just on that <laughs> side. Just on just that on side. That I kid, of course. Uh, coming to uh, the veteran, experienced Louis Van Hal versus the bit more of a startlet uh, Lionel Scaloni. This match, I think, feels more even than uh, people will make it out to be Argentina. Yes, they have, you know, proven themselves. They deserve to be here. They have played decently. But I think there are gaps in this team that could be exploited. And the Netherlands just have this, especially under Van Hall. They're very difficult to beat. Yes, Argentina did do it in penalties, at, um, to, uh, I believe, two tournaments ago because uh, the Netherlands did not qualify for the last one. Less said about that, the better. But uh, two tournaments ago, they did beat them on penalties. They did beat Van Hall on penalties. And it was a very, very difficult game. It was very cagey. It was very exhaustive. And I think 
it, it took away one of Mascherano's nine lives. Uh, but this 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 uh, matchup feels different. The lineups feel different. I believe from that game, only Dali Blint, uh, Stefan De Vrij on the bench, Memphis Depay, and Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria. Those are the only survivors from that uh, matchup in 2014. Where do you see this one going? Uh, I mean, it, they are. It's it's even. Uh, it's not the most it's not the most even matchup. We'll talk about that one um, in a little bit, I guess, uh, in terms of quality of teams. Uh, I think this is a very even even uh, matchup. Um, and when you go to an even kind of matchup, I, I look at the star and who's got the stars. And I think Argentina's got the star of all stars right now. Um, and Fernandez. Uh, again, yeah, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You know, it's uh, you know Lionel Messi has has carried this team to this to this quarterfinal. Um, they are getting they are getting some help from the supporting cast, um, but uh, I think I don't want to say that uh, it's un- uh, Lionel Messi is undeniable because I, I do think uh, they'll they'll meet their they'll meet their end against Brazil uh, in the semis, but. Uh, I, I don't think the uh, I don't think the I don't think the uh, the journey ends for uh, for Lionel Messi in Argentina quite yet. I think they take care of uh, the Netherlands and uh, and then have the uh, just the absolute amazing semifinal matchup between uh, Argentina and, and Brazil. That's the one we all paid money for. That's the one we'd hoped would be the final. But loss, we'd have to settle for semifinal if that goes that way. I do believe that um, Argentina will lose if they... My super bias take is if they don't start Lisandro Martinez. But that's just my bias take there. Um, and that sort of comes on to who could be Portugal's opponents if... If... I always want to make the disclaimer, if results go that way... It's going to be England versus France. Too many outsiders. You know, it feels like, well, this is going to be a formality for France. But England have looked very scary in various different ways. And they're punching together like a unit like I haven't seen before. I I think I read some insane stat that England have had nine different players score or assist, including fullback, centre-back, four central midfielders, and six members of the attack. It's 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 very scary how they're playing. And in contrast, France are largely reliant on maybe two or three players. Yes, they're doing well as a unit. Um, and yes, uh, Olivier Giroud has beaten that record, got that monkey off the bat. But I believe that between Mbappe and Griezmann, that's the f- that's the that's the beating nucleus of this team. If you take one of them out, preferably Griezmann, I do believe England have a chance. How how do you see it? Again, I, I go back to what I said. Similarly to to Argentina, uh, this to me is the most even matchup of the quarterfinals uh, by far. Um, England has looked spectacular. France has looked spectacular. Um, both defenses chock full of stars. Midfields huge depth there. Uh, the attack uh, you have honestly probably the best player in the world right now in Kylian Mbappe leading France and you have a very determined Harry Kane leading England um it is as even a matchup as you could have in these quarterfinals uh but again I go with who's got the absolute number one star player to break a 
quote unquote tie in terms of uh, in terms of the the matchup and um I, I just think Killian Mbappe is is just a, a the difference maker of difference makers um in this in this matchup. Um I predict him to score. Uh and I predict uh, that France uh, will go uh, to the semifinals uh to hopefully take on uh, on Portugal and uh, and yeah, I, I think they have every opportunity France does uh to go back to back. I really do. And and you know when you know if France do defeat England, the papers are going to have a field day of that beautiful picture of uh, Kylian Mbappe in his bedroom with his hands on his chin, eyes looking upwards, and all plastered around the edge of his two walls is number seven Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo. And you know it's going to be it's going to be a flashpoint. People are going to have you know a lot of fun with it. Um, the the again the bias taker in me is hoping that um it will be England to go through, but I do feel it's going to be a great game if Gareth Southgate is brave enough, especially to play a back four. Um, if, if not, both if uh, both teams play to their potential, it'll I think it'll easily easily be uh not only a uh not only the best quarterfinal of all four, but it could go down as one of the better. Uh, just matches uh, in recent memory if both teams come out and and, and hit on all on all cylinders. Battle of Waterloo 2022. You hear it first here from the road to <laughs> Qatar. Um, so, Danny, it comes to this these ties. I believe this World Cup has, you know, despite everything that we've said about it before, despite all the legitimate criticisms that have you know, permeated the discussions and continue to dominate the discourse on this World Cup. It's been an enjoyable one to watch. And it's been an enjoyable one, I believe, even for the fans. You know, the lack of alcohol is keeping them quite on their best <laughs> behavior. But, uh, you know, it just comes down to the fans who have really shown up in big numbers. And that's sort of like the final point I want to come to. You know, we always talk about the fans as the 12th man. Morocco will have, I believe, significant significantly more fans in Portugal. They are a neighboring nation. Um and they did have they have brought a great contingent they carry with them, you know, not just the hopes of the people of Morocco, but the Arab world at large, um, especially in a nation such as Qatar, as well as the continent of Africa. There's history writing on this. Morocco could be the first African team to make it to the semifinals. You know, people still shed a tear over Asamoah missed penalty against Uruguay in uh, the 2010 World Cup that could have taken Ghana to the semifinals. I don't believe the story will be as similar, but there is, there is inevitability versus destiny that that has that is the broader uh, motif for this game, and I do believe that. You know that'll add a certain bit of oomph to this match, even if Portugal are doing well. Um, you know, do you believe? Have you ever come across a position where you know the fans have really provided that extra mark? Is there something in your memory that stands out? Possibly a game. Uh, n- not specific. I mean, two thousand four when Portugal hosted the Euros, I thought and that's just me personally because I'm not a fan of Germany and how they. <laughs> played in 06 and hosted. I'm not a fan of Brazil when they hosted in, uh, in, uh, in 14. So, you know, South Africa in 2010, it was a great atmosphere, but uh, ultimately it didn't, it didn't provide any um, much success in terms of the national team. But um, 
there's something to be said for a team that has galvanized the the majority of the uh, of the of the crowd and i do think that it's going to be a factor um it can't be uh, honestly it can't be a negative for morocco um it gone it gone and, and it's and it's something that again it's you know, it, it is are is there a fate with this team perhaps i mean you know, br- brutally honest, uh, I I do hope that their run ends on Saturday. With no disrespect <laughs> to them, it's just they're they're in the way Seems of good. of of my team. So I, I you know I I love a good story. I love a, a great underdog story, and I think Morocco the is, ends the day after tomorrow. Uh, well, let's let's hope. Uh, for me, let's hope. Let's you know, hope. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I had um I had Alex Gonçalves uh, on uh, on my podcast and. Uh, he runs uh, tukascout.com, which uh, you know it covers the you know the national team and and Portuguese soccer and you know we with with respect just because the name the uh, the Moroccan name in terms of world football is not as 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 big as Spain or Germany or Italy or Portugal but if we were you know we had talked about you know if Portugal was was fortunate enough to get through Switzerland um, and lose to Spain. You know, and if they played well but lost to Spain, there would be, you know, hey, we lost to Spain, not a big deal. I think on the on the surface, a loss to Morocco would be considered a disappointment, just if everything is equal in terms of the playing field, uh, with players of players of player for player, um, you know, the history of uh, of football compared to uh, compared to one another. Um, but sometimes there's just a fate for a team that really no one can explain. And again, would it surprise me if Morocco beat Portugal? Um, yeah, but if it's in the stars, it's in the stars. Um, but I, I just hope that it just doesn't happen. <laughs> um, well, fair enough that yeah. Morocco do have a star on their flag and uh, they, they will need... And I feel that they will need uh, they will need the live support more than Portugal. Well, you know, uh, the, the United States has fifty stars on their flag, and they didn't help them out. So <laughs> it did not. It no. did not. That that was its that was its own special uh, tearjerker <laughs> of a moment. But uh, there you have it. There you have the rundown, the comprehensive look through the Portugal national team. It's going to be a cracker of a game. It's going to be a cracker of a quarterfinals. One of the best in recent memory. And I've been watching this tournament since 98 um not the oldest uh not the oldest in this podcast room but uh you know we've we've both seen our fair share and this feels like one of the standouts of those uh keep following the road to qatar we're gonna have um more coverage through this world cup especially as the semi-finals and then the finals run on we're gonna have a lot more guests we're gonna have a lot more discourse and a lot more fun so keep tuned to the road to qatar So from me, it's a good night and hope you enjoy this tournament.